Welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman. On this week's show, my colleague from Saturday Down South, Adam Spencer, is going to join us. Adam is the lead college basketball writer for Saturday Down South. He's going to talk all things SEC hoops with us. We'll also dive into the November 25th start date that has been established, what that means for the Gators, what that means for college basketball generally and some of these non-conference tournaments. Are we going to see bubbles? Uh, various topics. So good conversation with Adam. We hope you enjoy the show and we hope you also enjoy the first weekend of college football. Welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. I'm joined by Eric Fawcett. GatorCountry.com. Joining us this week is Saturday Down South colleague Adam Spencer, the basketball guy at Saturday Down South. He's a guy that does a lot of things for them. I shouldn't just call him the basketball guy, but but he's he Adam writes what I think is one of the best college basketball columns in the country during the regular season, even though it's just focused on SEC basketball. It's amazing how many good SEC basketball people there are now when like the league was a wasteland 15 years ago but uh how, how did you like adam welcome and uh thanks for joining us how, how did you become sort of you know how, tell us how that process worked where saturday night south was like yeah we're gonna do basketball now and, and we want you to write about it every week yeah well thanks for having me first of all appreciate it and uh yeah just i guess i've been with saturday down south for man, I guess like almost five years now, if not a little over five years. And so when I joined, we didn't do much basketball because Neil, as you know, some of those guys that we have on staff, they're walking encyclopedias for SEC football. <laughs> but there's there's not a ton of, they, they just, they're all football all the time. And that's great because that's what, you know, has made our site such a success. But I was like, hey, I like basketball. I'm happy to take the lead if we want to sort of expand our coverage into that. And they were, they were receptive. And so over the past couple of years, uh, you know, we have now a lot more knowledgeable basketball people. And I'm just sort of leading the way with that, with you know my starting five column, my SEC power rankings, you know, all that stuff. So it's been fun. I've been happy to see how much more we've invested in basketball and. Uh, it's been nice, too, that right as we were getting more into basketball, SEC basketball became more than just Kentucky and occasionally Florida. That's So that's been helpful, too. <laughs> so, I mean, Saturday down south, we we definitely know that that, uh, that term, that phrase, uh, it's not referring to, uh, you know, a, a tip-off from uh, the, the weird Vanderbilt gym, Memorial gym. It's not, uh, it's not the Odom. Unfortunately, it's obviously referring to football and, uh, it's, uh, the SEC is probably always going to be football first. So when you're, uh, when you find yourself obviously writing about basketball in a football centric league, um, for a football centric site, how do you, uh, how do you kind of try to balance writing, uh, deep in-depth stuff for, uh, for the, you know, the real nitty gritty basketball fans while also being approachable for maybe the football first fan who's just dipping their toes into basketball. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also, you know, a lot of interest shifts towards basketball once bowl season is over, which is, you know, conveniently when SEC basketball season starts, you know, conference play. So, 
that's really helpful. And by then, you know, it, it's all about just telling interesting stories and just finding what's going on around the country that is not necessarily, you don't necessarily need to be a big analytics guy to understand what's going on. And that's, I don't like to use a ton of numbers other than things that are readily understandable. But, you know, there are some sites that do a really good job with with really deep dives into the numbers, but I just try to keep it casual and entertaining and, you know, let the, it's, it's pretty easy to see who the best players are. So you just focus on them and, and, you know, debate what you're going to debate. And there's always plenty of that going on in the SEC and whether it's a scandal like at LSU or, you know, just teams underperforming or, you know, why it doesn't, Kentucky win more titles, stuff like that. So there's always there's always plenty to write about. <laughs> so uh, I think you've alluded to uh, to a few things in that statement that uh, we're probably going to get to on this podcast from uh, Kentucky not winning as much as they should to, uh, you know, Will Wade. Um, but uh, one of the things I do want to uh, want to bring up is the fact that, uh, you know, there is a, a rough, you know, date start time for college basketball. We don't know exactly uh, what that's going to mean for, for everyone. We don't know what, what it's going to mean for the SEC in terms of non-conference play, when they get into conference play, all that. Uh, but the one thing we do know is that for the first time, and, um, you know, I shouldn't uh, say something I don't know, but for the first time, let's say in recent history, uh, college basketball is going to stand on its own because the NBA is going to be over. This is going to be the first time where we're going to see college basketball during the off season of the NBA due to their shifting calendar. Uh, so for that reason, and uh, did, are you expecting there to be, you know, more interest in college basketball this season for maybe the the NBA fan who's uh, who's just looking for uh, their, their hoops craving? Um, and uh, where do you think the uh, if there is someone who kind of finds themselves uh, seeking that kind of basketball content, do you think uh, do you see them coming to uh, uh, coming to the SEC? Yeah, I don't see why not. I think that, you know, diehard basketball fans who are not getting their NBA fix. I saw today that NBA commissioner Adam Silver said they wouldn't be looking to start before January at the earliest, it seems like. So I know that that ruins their Christmas Day monopoly, I guess. But and I, I was thinking maybe they would just start up again on Christmas Day with a big a big day of games like they usually have, which I think would be a great idea. Just that is a good per- idea. I think that would just be a good idea permanently moving forward for the basketball season because there's no reason for them to really start in in October and go up against football for so long but that's and that's going to be the other issue for college basketball right is that it's going to be starting November 25th is the plan right now and that's going to overlap with with football season quite a bit NFL season the tail end of college football season so it I have no idea what the what the numbers are going to look like for college basketball viewership, but I am glad that they're giving us the opportunity to have those uh, Thanksgiving week tournaments that are always so much fun to have on during the week when you, you know, lounging around and eating a bunch of food with family and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I, 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 I you know, I think that's a great idea. And if the NBA did that, um, you know, I don't know if, if they will do it moving forward, but I love the idea of starting on Christmas day. I also kind of like, you know, for college basketball, I really, I'm a huge fan of, of Feast Week. Both Eric and I love the fact that when life starts to slow down or a little around Thanksgiving, like obviously there's still such great football that week with it being rivalry week. 
um, Adam, but but it's kind of cool that there's basketball on all day. And I, I really like this start date that, that we got for college basketball with the number November 25th start date. I guess we don't really know what these, what all the bubbles are going to look like, but these little bubbles that are popping up so people can play their non-conference tournaments. Uh, <laughs> the battle of Atlantis being in South Dakota, I think is my <laughs> favorite one. <laughs> That's so weird. Um, you know, Asheville, a great little town. Um, but, but it kind of a weird place for the Maui Invitational, but Hey, we're, they're going to make it work. I, I did see, uh, Kentucky wants to start its own bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Disney, you know, coming through in the clutch again with, it looks like pretty much all the, uh, ESPN events somehow they they think they've got the court space to do it. What's your thought on, on the start date? And are you kind of excited to see how all these, these bubbles work? You know, this whole lockdown and and quarantine and just the, you know, the phrase that everybody's always using, the new normal and all that, like, I'm just, it's really made me accept what we get. That's really <laughs> been the takeaway. So I'm really happy just to have it back because the, there was a while there, March, April into May where it was just miserable as a sports fan right so yeah that so i'm just happy with anything that we get and yeah it's going to be a little weird it's going to be really weird without fans but i don't care if you're playing in north dakota i don't care if you're playing in in beijing i don't care if you're playing in honolulu i don't you know play basketball wherever because it's an indoor sport so you don't really need the b-roll necessarily just just play the games i'll watch i'll be happy to have any sort of hoops on that I can get. So I am excited though. I'm glad that they figured out a way to get us some non-conference basketball instead of doing what uh, most of the football conferences have done really either really limit non-conference play or eliminate it altogether. So I will be happy to see those games. Well, I mean, I've got to say uh, just watching how football has unfolded and then seeing how basketball is has kind of handled things. Uh, we'll we'll see how it actually unfolds, uh, but it certainly made me thankful that there there is a little bit more kind of defined leadership in basketball. They do have a commissioner. I I, I guess I don't I don't even know what Dan Gavitt's um, technical title is, uh, <laughs> but to see them come together um, in the way that uh, that they have and in the way that um, we just simply didn't see from football, uh, it's made me uh, pretty happy that. Uh, that basketball is structured the way uh, the way it is. And it's, it is kind of interesting because you know what, Dan Gavitt, that's someone who I have not always been particularly happy with in, in the way that, uh, uh, well, you know, it's, it's, it's him towing the company line and, and reinforcing some of the, the NCAA policies that, um, that I don't like. And, you know, the general listener of this podcast probably doesn't like either, but, but I've got to say everything um, seems to be handled pretty well so far by the, the leadership powers that be at, at the NCAA for basketball. Um, and just to, to swing it to the, to the football side at all. Um, I, I know this is a discussion that, that has probably happened a billion times. So sorry if you guys, both you, uh, Adam and Neil have both answered this question in various forms, but do you see, uh, do, do you see any change in the way that football structure, just seeing that how, what kind of struggle that they had to get going and then seeing that uh, there was just so much cohesion with basketball? No, I mean, I'm really glad to see that uh, that basketball got on the same page because, like you said, yeah, the, the back and forth with football has just been brutal. And I'm sure Neil is also just as sick of the Big Ten and Pac-12 and all that, that as I am. Just, it, just make... 
a decision and be open about it. Give all your facts and stick with it. Like that's just the back and forth with the Big Ten was just exhausting i guess is the right word for it yeah yeah i'm just i'm just glad we're not still at the like the only real issue that i have heard about basketball in recent weeks is just is the pac-12 going to be able to start at that november 25th date but you know if if not then whatever that's one conference that's you know 12 teams so we can have a full and great season, even if they only do conference play. That's fine. So, yeah, I, I don't know what Dan Gavitt's actual title is either, but I am <laughs> glad to see. I am glad to see that you know he's sort of rallied the troops, and we're gonna have uh, what seems to be right now a cohesive start to the season. That's much less exhausting for me. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I, I am too, and and I, you know, I, I hope that the Pac-12 doesn't go through the the sort of machinations that the big 10 went through with, with Kevin Warren making the like super aggressive statement, like this decision will not be revisited. And, and just like the stuff that's just so ridiculous to say when this is such a fluid situation, uh, you know, one week things look differently than they do the week before. And I thought that's where the big 10 really got egg on its face, right. Is just making all these, these, you know, epic sort of pronouncements about things. And I, it's one thing that I really like, I know obviously Saturday down South, you know, it was an SEC website, um, but you know, Greg Sankey really does look pretty good in all this. Like it was a measured approach. Uh, they weren't unrealistic about the virus, um, but they also, you know, acknowledged that, that things were constantly evolving, whether it was testing, whether it was the success of, of, functional quarantines and things of that nature. So I'm interested to see how it works. And and I am interested to see to Eric's point, what happens with the PAC 12 teams, particularly if, if Disney is going to host this huge two week feast week type bubble um, where some of these events were going to rely on PAC 12 teams. I know the wooden classic is now going to have vacancies. If the PAC 12 can't play uh, the empire classic, which already had Baylor and Villanova would have had Arizona. So it would have had like three top 15 teams, Eric. Um, now it's going to have at least Baylor and Villanova. There's going to be a vacancy there. Like who takes those spots? Um, you know that. So anyway, that, that stuff's kind of interesting to me, but we're going to, well, sorry, I've just, I've just got to jump in because I, I, I was hoping for maybe an update from you or Neil or, or Adam, if you've heard, but it, I mean, it was a couple days ago where the, the big 10 reiterated that they were not going to allow basketball teams to play non-conference so I'm just interested if anyone's heard anything different. But even the the Big Ten said, um, yeah, we'll have conference play for basketball. But even in, even in the basketball side, they're like, yeah, we're not doing non-conference. And, you, you know, the Gators were slated to play Penn State um, in uh, yeah. was it Brooklyn or New, somewhere in New York. And uh, so, yeah, Brooklyn. Know, clearly, clearly that wasn't uh, going to be the, the case. And, you know, Florida was was slated to play Illinois as Illinois traveling uh you know that that's tough but if there was some of these bubbles like you were mentioning neil that uh, a team could come in like like an illinois could come in play in a multi-team event and then get a non-conference game in with florida uh, that would be awesome but uh yeah the the big 10 is uh yeah so i don't know if you guys have heard any updates there but the the big 10 even in the basketball side was still saying uh you know what hey we're, we're not playing non-conference well the update i have uh and and this is from my usual you know We'll go behind the fourth wall Saturday down south. Source inside the Georgia Athletic Department is that their basketball people are 
are on the phone four to five hours a day um, just talking about schedules. And the good news is it's September 22nd. So uh, the good news is there's time for contingency plans. There's time to be safe. There's times for backup contingency. There's time for contingency plans and contingency plans, right? But um, people are people are trying to figure it out. And And for me, I don't know about Adam, but the fact we already have a location for Maui, the fact we already have a location for Battle for Atlantis, the fact that Duke says they're going to do their own bubble, uh, the fact that Butler says we're going to do one in Indianapolis, you know, that's at least four. And I think these things are going to keep popping up. Like when Disney comes out of the NBA bubble and says, yeah, we're ready to go because we like money and ESPN likes TV, you know, I think a lot of problems are going to be solved. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> I, I have no idea what IMG Academy looks like right now in terms of, you know, actual schooling and classes. But, man, IMG looks great with the WNBA bubble. So uh, that's <laughs> another one that I'm thinking, hey, if there's yeah. going to be some, some bubbles in, uh, you know, the Central Florida kind of neighborhood where the Gators could get some great opponents. I mean, uh, this is one thing where Florida's geographic position, you know, near Disney, uh, near some of these other places that could that could host these. Uh, which and, and I mean, I, again, I should also say the NCAA in their statement um they tiptoed around the term bubble and they did not use the term bubble. And uh, <laughs> uh, so maybe I should try to get out of the habit of using it, but I know it's just so easy to call it that, but uh, this is definitely one advantage for, for the Gators is the fact that there, there's definitely a lot of places in state where these types of events could happen. So uh, we're going to shift to the SEC. And I did want to say that like, so when, when Adam writes starting five, uh, uh, you know, pimping my own website again, but, Read it because it's not just SEC basketball based, uh, right, Adam? I mean, there's a lot of when stuff's happening nationally. I know uh, one Florida got their clock cleaned by Butler last year, and I remember Adam writing like an ode to Butler, just dominating, <laughs> <laughs> dominating the whole league, like little things like that. So, so there's you know, it's cool that you get like a national bent on on the site, and it's uh, it's definitely worth reading. Oh, yeah, it's definitely like there's an SEC tilt to it, obviously. But then, yeah, we take a look around the rest of the country, too, because, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on and that SEC fans might be interested in, but not necessarily, especially the stuff out west that happens way after bedtime. So, <laughs> yeah, so but we are going to do a lot of SEC stuff on this show. Um, we had uh, the godfather of SEC basketball coverage, Blake Level. Uh, last month, who who does an amazing job, and and we asked some of these questions to him. But I think getting our listeners really like when we go around the league. The shows always do really well. So, you know, a fun game to play is it's buy or sell. So we're gonna do a little buy or sell with with Adam Spencer Saturday down south. First one that we have for you, Adam. Um, and, and you know, I guess the way we'll do this is just rotationally. So we'll start with Adam. Buy or sell. This is finally the year for Rick Barnes. So this one I had a little trouble with because I don't know what would be a good result for him. So I, I'm choosing to buy Rick Barnes here because of that recruiting class, number four in the country, number two in the SEC, two five-star guards, Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson. Like, that's a heck of a class. He has Eves Pons coming back. He's got uh, John Fulkerson coming back. So, you know, there's talent on that roster, but... Tennessee has never made a Final Four in its program history, if I'm not mistaken. That's so correct. what do we consider 
if I'm buying Rick Barnes, what level does he have to hit? Does he just have to get past the Sweet 16, which he got to in 2019? Or, you know, what? where are we... Where are we defining success for for so, Rick Barnes so here? I think we define it in the in the sense that like like you know Kentucky fans always joke that if you don't make the Sweet Sixteen, well, it's not a joke. If you don't make the Sweet Sixteen in Kentucky, they don't hang a band. Yeah, I mean, then so, in that in that case, yeah. I'm still buying him. I think that this is you know this is a team that. It, it all comes down to the freshmen, and you never know. You know, just look at Kentucky last year. Their freshmen didn't pan out necessarily the way that they thought to a certain extent. So they didn't. I don't think that Kentucky would have made a really deep run last year in the tournament. But if these guys, especially Springer and Johnson, perform really well, then yeah, I think that this is a, a team that can get to the Sweet 16 and even the Elite Eight, which would be Barnes's best finish at at Tennessee. So yeah, I I think that this is definitely a year that he could uh, really live up to that. And if he shows that he can make these five-star guys immediate successes and turn them into one and done, that's only going to help him recruit in the future too. Right. So I'll buy it. Yeah. No question. Eric, what do you, where are you at on this? Um, uh, I've definitely spoken pretty highly of, of Tennessee uh, I definitely love a lot of their pieces, and I think I would put them. Well, I think I'd have to put them uh, number one on a you know preseason SEC poll. But at the same time, I mean, this is a team that, like Adam alluded to, is going to be reliant on freshmen, and we have just seen in recent history. Um, Adam, it was very polite of you to not uh, not mention the Gators as a team who was freshman reliant uh, last year, and things maybe didn't go as well as everyone <laughs> thought. Uh, but that, but 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 that was another example, and and the more you look around, Memphis. Uh, you know, like all these other teams around college basketball where people are suggesting there being massive jumps based exclusively on the play of freshmen. Um, I shouldn't say exclusively placed largely on uh, on the backs of freshmen playing really well. Um, historically, in, in recent history of college basketball, that just hasn't been the case. So you look at Tennessee last year, nine and nine in an SEC that, you know, was was good, but but not great. And they were, I think, 66th in Ken Palm at the end, um, somewhere in the 60, that that kind of range. So to suggest that they like uh, to suggest that they're going to dominate the top of the SEC to suggest they're going to compete for a final four or, or better. Uh, that's asking for a jump that I think we don't often see in college basketball. So is it possible? Uh, absolutely. But uh, I, I definitely was a little bit higher on them more in the or earlier in the off season. And it was kind of when I started to look more at the numbers and look more at college basketball history. And yeah, there's just not a lot of teams that make jumps from the high sixties in Ken Palm um, to, uh, to competing for, you know, a, a final four or something like that range. So, you know what, I'd still have to put them in, uh, as my sec favorite right now. And I, I think that would be uh, that, that would be the wise, uh, that'd be the wise choice. But at the same time, if they, end up not doing as well as so many people think, then you could look and say like, Hey, um, you, you look at history of college basketball, it should have been obvious. So, uh, so I'm like, uh, I'm, a hesitant, I'm a hesitant buyer, but I, I, you know, there's, you know, I'll, I'll sell on them, uh, them being like a final four team just, and I think that the, the odds will be in my favor. Do you, do you want me to, am I giving takes on this or am I, am I just paneling? Cause I'm oh, fine. Better, oh, you better give takes. Uh, all right. All right. So, so on this one, um, so we have like a buy and we kind of have like an in-between from Eric. It's more of a sell, I guess. Um, yeah, I'm going to buy. I, I think 
like Eric almost talked me out of buying. Like I was, I was ready to give this gung ho buy take. Like Rick Barnes can't do it with this team. Um, but yeah, I think this is the first Final Four team in in Tennessee basketball history. Uh, you, there it is. There's my take on September twenty second. A rare hot take for me. Um, and yeah, I mean, I like, I just like so many of the pieces, the recruiting class that are, that are returning, the recruiting class is incredible. One thing I kind of think about Tennessee that that is super interesting to me is like Santiago Vescovi, like really we don't even know where he came from. I mean he came from Uruguay, but we, like he just sort of appeared on their roster one day, right? And from that point on, um they were pretty darn good by the time that he started playing consistently. I mean, he got there and uh, they were 10 and 6. They finished 17 and 14, so I guess they actually went seven and eight with him. I'm I'm refuting my own argument, but their but their <laughs> but their efficiency numbers took huge jumps. So it's kind of interesting. Like just their schedule got harder, but they were a much better basketball team. He's back. You add in their pieces, John Fulkerson. I don't think I don't think there's a guy in the league that plays harder. So I'm gonna you know I'm gonna buy him. Uh, obviously, uh, if they don't get it done with this team, you know, I'm not saying that there'll be rumblings, but this is what happened with Rick Barnes at Texas, like elite recruiting classes, uh, NBA type talents on his rosters and just struggled to, to put it together and have his teams peak at the right time. Does that mean he's a bad coach? Of course not. Um, it just, you know, you wonder, you know, what the ceiling is for, for Tennessee with Rick Barnes if if it doesn't go right this season. I don't think that's an unfair take. It's just kind of a realistic one. The next topic, buy or sell. There's a strong-ass chance that other than Will Wade, no SEC coach is fired this season, Adam. Um, I'm going to buy that with the caveat that there's also a strong-ass chance that Will Wade <laughs> does not get fired. Mm. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I, I can honestly see that there are no SEC coaches that get fired this year, and not just because you know COVID is going to make everything so difficult with athletics department budgets and buyouts and stuff like that. But I really think that Wade is not getting fired because that he's Teflon. The SEC, the NCAA can't get anything to stick to that guy. So like, as long as he's still bringing in recruits in whatever way possible, then why not? And I think that he has a really good team with Trendon Watford coming back. That was huge for them. Yeah. You know, Javante smart. I, I would have liked to have seen him improve more by now, but you know, they bring back a lot of key pieces from last year's team and Trendon Watford, I think has a chance to really become a star this year. So I don't think we'll wait. He's even getting fired. If I had to put the two guys that I think are on the hottest seats, I would think, Ben Howland at Mississippi State and your guy Mike White at Florida. So those are the two guys that I'd be talking about, but I don't think that either of them are going to get fired after this particular season either. Interesting. Interesting. Eric? Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, probably due to uh, due to COVID, due to the kind of scenario, I, I think teams are going to be really, uh, re- really hesitant to make changes. Uh, and, and that kind of goes for not only the SEC, but the rest of the country, because let's say a bunch of coaches in the Big 12 and the ACC were getting fired, um, then maybe, hey, if you're Missouri and you're not loving Conzo Martin, um, then you say, hey, look at these 
look at these names that became available, we think we can improve. But because I think that so many people around the country and from leagues that aren't as wealthy as the SEC, uh, I think a lot of those teams are are going to hold on to coaches. So if you're an SEC team, like if you are Mississippi State and you're thinking, um, hey, we're not uh, we're not sure Ben Howland's our guy, but you look around the country and there's not a lot of names out there, maybe you're you're more you're more likely to hold on to a Ben Howland than, uh, than you would be in a normal summer. So, so for that reason, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't think anyone's going to get fired. And I mean, Hey, uh, I, I don't think Will Wade will get fired either. I think he, um, he'll get suspended by the SEC or, or sorry, the, by the NCAA before he gets fired. So, I mean, that's a technicality in the, for this, uh, for this buy or sell question, but, uh, uh, you know, something I, I, I was on a podcast a couple of months ago and, uh, just as I was talking, I, I, I Googled it just to reiterate kind of what, what Will Wade's um, contract was just because, you know what, he is just denying tooth and nail. He is, you know, he's just going double middle fingers up to anyone who accuses him and he's <laughs> going to go down burning with whatever happens. And, you know, I look at his contract and, and with incentives, uh, the guy's making, the, the guy's cashing $200,000 checks every month. So if you can think of like how long ago was it that we were certain Will Wade was going to get fired? Um, that was a lot of months ago. And every month that goes by, he's cashing another $200,000. So I think <laughs> when you're at the point of where Will Wade is, if he can claw out another month, it's another $200,000. And if he does get caught, he's not going to be coaching division one college basketball for a very long time. If not, if not ever. So, so I can totally see why he's continuing to just, um, treat things the way uh, the way he he is because he's in so deep that at this point he's just got to he's just got to keep pushing things back and 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 forcing someone to do something and he'll just keep cashing checks up and up until that point so uh, at, at this point I and, and it's oh and it also seems like LSU is a, as a athletic department is content to do the same thing they're they're still getting players they're still in the mix for good players recruiting wise and. Uh, you know they they they've been once they've won some games over the last couple of years. So, uh, yeah, I think I might be with Adam that I'm not sure he's going to get fired either. Just to circle back to Quanzo Martin, I would have definitely put him on the hottest seat, but I'm pretty sure that they literally cannot fire him due to his contract here. Oh, okay. But, so Missouri had the right; they could not fire Martin without cause for the first three years of his contract. So this year, I believe, is his fourth year at the helm of the program. But there was a vesting option. If Mizzou won 20 or more games or went to the NCAA tournament, then it adds a year on to that. So I literally do not think that they can fire him this year. And if not, then there's and even and then there's also like other incentives for him to stay on during his uh, seven year contract here. So. So that is a really interesting contract, but yeah, so I don't, I think that the Tigers are stuck with him for another year and I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing, but I think we're going to get to that later. So I'll leave, I'll leave that for now. <laughs> that, that, that is interesting. And it's just so funny. Every time I hear about a contract like that of a coach who, like you mentioned, would be on a really hot seat and then. There's always talk about like, oh, like they can't fire him without cause. I just think about that one episode of The Office where um, where <laughs> Michael Scott is trying to uh, fire Toby and David Wallace is like, oh, you can't fire him without cause. And he's like, I do because have cause. I hate him. Cause. <laughs> so anyways, I just think of that every time I hear, <laughs> hear about a contract like that. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll, sure we'll get to some, uh, some Missouri talk uh, <laughs> later in this podcast. 
Yeah, no, the, the Missouri question is next. I, yeah, Adam kind of took my take on, on Will Wade, which is just that I, all I'll add to what, what's been said, because I don't think any SEC coach is getting fired after this season either. But um, yeah, look, LSU doesn't care. <laughs> they exactly. don't care. They don't care. And that's all that matters. They, they had won. You know how many NCAA tournament games LSU won in the last decade prior to Will Wade arriving? Zero. Zero. They went over for the decade. That's just winning a game. They didn't win a game in the NCAA tournament. Um, so they don't care. I mean, they were in the top five for seven weeks the season before last. Last year they were 17 and five at one point. Uh, and, and it's not just Javante Smart. I mean, it was Balsa Kubrafika. Uh, there were rumblings about Darius Days, who just up and decided he didn't want to be in Gainesville, Florida anymore, which is a strange place to grow up a basketball player if you uh, end up at LSU. Um, you know, I mean, there are all sorts of things that that they could care about, and they don't, and they won't until a notice of allegations drops. And even then, I don't think they're going to care uh, until the NCAA tells them that they have to. And, and that's just kind of my take on on LSU. What We do want to get to Missouri, which is – our buy or sell question on Missouri, because when we have Adam on, we have to ask about Missouri, his school. Um, we it's in my had, contract. Yeah. Yeah. It's in, it's in your contract. <laughs> we, we, we talked to Jim Root from 3D Man and Weave about this, and his response was hilarious uh, when we asked him about Missouri hoops. But I had this like big theory that Eric knows about that SEC basketball is way better when Missouri's better. And that the SEC basketball hasn't really seen that other than when they first came into the league. And, like, is Kwanzaa the guy that can fix it, buy or sell that? I know that a lot of Mizzou fans are low on Kwanzaa Martin, but I'm actually going to buy this because I do think he's a good coach. And I'm not sure who else, they if they fired him, then I'm not sure who else that they could get who would do any better. Like, it's not, the program has fallen off. I know there's been some some negative headlines surrounding the school in general in recent years, just over and over again, just constant mismanagement at the university level. But you know, they, they, so they're going to, if they do get rid of Martin, they would need to try to find a guy. Like I've been really loving what the new football coach, Eli Drinkwitz has been doing with the program. He's saying all the right things. He's already boosted recruiting. So, you know, I like that, but, Martin, this is the year that he needs to prove it because he's got a very experienced team coming back. He's got Drew Smith. He's got Mark and Mitchell Smith. He's got Xavier Pinson, Javon Pickett, Jeremiah Tillman, who if he can stop fouling, which we've been saying for three years now, if he can just stay on the court, he's a really solid presence inside. So if this isn't the year that he's going to do it, then I'm not sure win is but i'll give him this year because i did like the way that the team was playing down the stretch last year and i think that you know had they been able to get a, a few more games in before the end of the year i think that we would have seen that them continue to improve because they were on that right track and xavier pinson is going to be one of the better players he's going to he's if, if there was like an all sleeper team and i'm sure there will be in the preseason i might even write that article but Xavier Pinson would definitely be on it for me because he's he's going to be good. He's going to be really good. Him and Drew Smith are going to be one of the more solid backcourts in the entire SEC. Yeah, I know I mean, Eric, Eric likes Xavier Pinson, so 
<laughs> yeah, and I mean, we saw obviously uh, the Gators did what uh, what Missouri can do when they're on. When uh, you know Missouri just blasted them last year, and you know I do love the uh, the law firm of Smith Smith and Smith that uh, Missouri yeah. rolls out, and uh, <laughs> the fact that they're all returning, I mean that that's that's impressive. And uh, in terms of in terms of my thoughts on Quanza Martin, I mean, uh, it's, I, I can't totally decide. <laughs> I guess. Um, uh, but uh, I, I've got to say they they make things happen on the defensive end, and, and the question is always, uh, you know, how are they how are they going to score? But then once again, we did see in flashes last year, especially against Florida, uh, that uh, I just I felt like they were a lot better offensively than the numbers kind of bared out, and uh, just some some of that poor shooting uh, at, at times certainly made their offense look worse than I, I I think it actually was when you see the way that the ball was moving, the way they were getting paint touches. Um, so, you know what, like, uh, you know, I kind of mentioned him as, you know, and as you alluded to him as well, being on the hot seat, if not for his contract. So uh, this will be an interesting year to see if the, the narrative can flip. And, uh, you know, while we're tossing out hot takes, uh, and and this is not uh, this is not because you're on the podcast, Adam. But I I think that Missouri basketball fans might be my my favorite in the SEC, just in terms of uh, the guys that are like the true like they're so so often uh, there's just guys that I encounter on on you know college basketball Twitter that are Missouri fans first, but I find that we're like talking about like Gonzaga against BYU, and then I like oh this is a good conversation. I go to their account and they're like have a Missouri you know their Missouri grad Missouri fan and that happens lots. I love uh, Dive Cuts that podcast. It's a uh, you know Missouri uh, Missouri podcast. So that's that that's one of my takes. I think that Missouri fans might be it might be some of the SEC's best. Missouri fans are really good basketball fans. They know the game. They yeah. love to support the team. It's just you got to give them something to root for. You know back <laughs> back when I was back when I was in school, like people also rag on on the tigers for attendance in football but back when i was in school i went to school from 2008 to 2012 there and i think almost every home game if not every home game was sold out when i was there and in basketball the same thing you know when when i was there they beat kansas in basketball a couple times and i got to storm the court they beat oklahoma in football i got to storm the field like those were the golden (laughs) the golden ages of, of Mizzou sports. And there were fans flocking to the arena, flocking to Faroe field. So if you give them something to root for, they will support you, but it's just, it's just been a rough few years, man. <laughs> That's that, but yeah, if you, so they're turning elsewhere and yeah, they're, they know basketball. So they keep up with their old big 12. If there's one thing us Mizzou fans love to do when Mizzou's bad, it's also to root for Kansas to lose. And so, <laughs> We keep up with them too, and just keep an eye on everything going on, just to make sure Kansas doesn't win the title. Yeah, well, look, I think uh, I think they are the the best fans in 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 the SEC too in in basketball. Um, so that's a that's a hot take I share with Eric. Eric kind of uh, we didn't use buy sell or hold, but I feel like Eric kind of held on Tennessee more than anything. I'm gonna hold on Quanzo Martin. Uh, I'm not really ready to sell it yet, but I'm not. I'm not necessarily buying that that he's the guy that flips the program. Look, I think it's a really good job. So I I think that they could find somebody that could. I mean, look, if 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 Texas Tech can hire somebody to flip a program, um, which I guess wasn't that in that bad a condition, but but neither is Missouri. Like they were a two seed last decade at one point. Uh, Don't remind oh, me. 
<laughs> Only Arkansas and Kentucky in the entire SEC have more NCAA tournament bids. There's not a single program in America with more tournament bids without a Final Four than Missouri. That's that's a fact. Uh, that, that's a fun one. I'm sure Missouri fans love that, but it's true. Uh, oh, the, the Missouri Missouri history is filled with facts just like that. So that's fine. <laughs> we're we're used to it. You guys are you're you're numb at this point. Yeah. Um, so like you know, I think I think it's a it's a really good job, and and we'll see. Maybe maybe it is Quanzo. He's a he's a good guy and great guy, and he doesn't cheat. And you know, all these things are uh, important when we get to the next guy, uh, which is Mike White. Buy or sell or hold. This will be Mike White's best basketball team at Florida. Do we mean best in terms of talent or best in terms of performance? I think we mean Mike White will finally do what he was supposed to do last year, this year. I'm going to sell that then. All right. I, I think that the Nimhard loss hurts more than it helps. And I know that a lot of people are really – in on the style that they're going to try to play with Tyree Appleby and Trey Mann running more of the point and trying to get up and down the court more. Um, but like when you look at sort of the way that they played last year, Keontae Johnson and Nimhard really worked well together. And that's going to be a concern for me because you gotta, you gotta get Keontae Johnson involved and he's not necessarily he can have success in transition, but he's more, he's just stronger than nearly everybody that he goes up against. So you got to yep. get him, you got to get him the ball when he can have some time to put some moves together and just wear down guys. That's, that's going to, you can't, ha- he's going to bully people instead of running him ragged up and down the court. He's not going to be yeah, able to stand the game. Or, or Grant Williams type guy. Then. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, and that's where, you know, you've got to have, a guy like Nimhart. So I think that that's going to hurt. And like, even Noah Locke, like Noah Locke was, I think he's going to be the key. If he's, if he adjusts to the new style of play, then I do think that this has a chance to be Mike White's best team, but I'm going to sell on that just because I think that there's going to be some growing pains with the, with Trey man and Appleby running the point. And, but I do love Scotty Lewis uh, and he's one of my favorite players in the sec heading into this year. So I'm going to be excited to see what he can do in this new style without Nimhard, but because I think he was probably the most impacted by that style of play yeah. last year. He wants to get out and go. Him and Trey Mann, if they can really gel this year, then this has a chance. But I'm just last year's Florida team. I thought was just loaded, and I was just so disappointed in them on a consistent basis. So I'm going to sell this one, and it's close though. I, I do think there's plenty of scenarios where this goes the other way but i'm just i'm i'm not sold just based on the performance last year so i'm not eric i'm not going to ask you to buy sell or hold this since we have a whole year of podcasts for these takes <laughs> but what i'll ask you is you know sp- speak to this idea of of like what what do you think is the one thing because adam hit something that's that we've talked about a lot which i think is important is just the consistency around the program. Like they're just so up and down the last two seasons, really. Like what what do you think is the one thing as you've been piling together your analytical pieces and writing over the summer? Is there something that sticks out and you're just like, wow, Florida has to be more consistent in this area? 
Well, it's uh, something I've talked about on this podcast a few times uh, and something, you know, I could even say I alluded to talking about Tennessee, but, you know, Florida was 61st in, in defense in Ken Palm last year. And for Florida to really, you know, be really good, uh, they're going to need to be top 20. And I think you could make an argument that they're going to need to be top 15 because, uh, you know, their offense was pretty good last year. They were 27th in Ken Palm. I, I think their offense is going to be better this year. Um, but again, you are, let's say they jump to top 20. Uh, well, still, if they're in the 60s defensively, th- that jump in offense isn't going to do too much for them. So uh, I-, I look at that and I say uh, th- that's kind of the biggest thing where Florida is going to need to make a significant jump. And if uh, if we kind of if next season doesn't go super well and we're kind of looking at, um, hey, what went wrong between a team that, you know, I I'll say, you know, I'm really excited for what went wrong. I- I- I'm guessing it'll be the defensive side of the basketball where. Uh, where Florida is going to need to get a lot better. And they're bringing in a point guard in Tyree Appleby, who uh, I love his offensive game. He was not a great defensive player. Uh, you know, they get rid of, uh, sorry, that, that sounds so harsh. Uh, they no longer have Kerry Blackshear at the five who was, uh, who struggled defensively. And uh, while they have some guys that um, have potential to be better defensively for sure, uh, that's still a little bit unproven between Colin Castleton and, and Omar Payne and Jason Jatobo. So there's some question marks there. So uh, I, I actually have pretty good faith in that, that this team is, is going to score and, and score enough and maybe even score more than enough. Uh, but the defensive side of the basketball, there's still definitely some concerns. I like it. I, I, I want to do a couple more of these and then we'll put, we'll put Adam on the spot at the uh, end of the show with, with something that's, that's fun, but, um, let's do, let's, we got to, we got to do Kentucky. So let's buy, sell, or hold cow. We'll find it harder to do cow things without a true point guard. Yeah. This is the one that I really want to dive into here. Cause I think I'm going to sell this one and look like, like we mentioned at the top of the show, there are plenty of reasons to think that Calipari has, uh, Calipari, sorry, has had, should have had more success. The one title that he's won at Kentucky came when a guy named Anthony Davis was doing everything for the Wildcats. Like, I'm pretty sure we could have made Kentucky could have made the NIT with me and four of my three of my friends if you put us with <laughs> Anthony Davis. And that's only a little bit of an exaggeration. And it's only because my friends really suck at basketball. <laughs> but like this he so he's an elite recruiter he's quite possibly the best recruiter in college basketball history he gets guys he consistently has top recruiting classes but his on the court and just getting his guys to gel instead of just rolling the ball out there and trusting that talent's going to rule the day that's got to change this year because but i do like the way that this team is looking because I would compare sort of the way that I think that they're going to line up. And this is all on the assumption that Olivier Saar finally gets his clearance. If he doesn't, yeah. then we'll have to have another conversation. But I'm assuming that he's going to be able to play, which is going to be huge for them. Um, but I sort of see this team as kind of like the current Boston Celtics. Like the way that Calipari's recruiting class is put together this year, the number one class in the country, you got BJ Boston, you got Terrence Clark. Those are wing guys. Like the NBA is moving. You just load up on wings. You look at the Celtics. They got Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward. Marcus Smart is borderline wing. You know, you've got all these guys who can play anywhere 
along the wings and just that's having that athleticism and then you can go small ball with them. I know that they've had times when Gordon Hayward has been running the four in a like a stretch four situation and there was a couple of times in the playoffs I'm pretty sure they had Tatum at the five and you see them here you know they're they should be up 3-0 on the heat in this Eastern Conference finals but two late collapses you know but that's basketball so we won't get into that but you know if BJ Boston and Terrence Clark can be sort of like that Tatum and Brown combo you got Keon Brooks who's coming back as their leading scorer you know with the, he only averaged like 15.1 minutes per game last year because they lost everybody from last year's team pretty much. But yeah, he comes back. You got Olivier Saar, who I think, you know, I know I'm going to compare him to Daniel Tice here from the Celtics. But like, if you look at Daniel Tice, man, he, he is really good and plays a lot better than he would on any other team just based on the opportunities that he gets with the Celtics. So, you know, I, I know that they're going to have, they're probably going to have a true freshman in Devin Askew running the point and he's not going to be like Ashton Hagens. He's not going to be, you know, a ball dominant guard who he's not going to be a, a, a pure distributor and he's not going to be the sec defensive player of the year. I feel safe making that claim right now, but if he can shoot better and they, they have compared him, they've said that he might be the best shooting point guard that Kentucky has had since Tyler Ulis. And that was a really good team with Ulyss as a kind of underrated guy on that squad. So oh, sure. if he can if he can even be similar to Tyler Ulyss, like this is a team. I know that you guys. I don't know if you both said, but I know Neil said that they were that he had Tennessee at number one in his power rankings. When I do my preseason power rankings, I'm going to strongly consider Kentucky at number one because I really like this class. But this has got to be the year where. Cal gets his freshmen to contribute right away. Like there's, there's no, there can't be any grace period here. There can't be a slow start. You can't lose to Evansville who then goes on to be like the worst team in the Missouri Valley or whatever. Like you you can't, you can't have that. You got to get these guys ready to go. Let's see your coaching credentials. Now you've proven yourself as a recruiter. Let's see. Let's see the on the court skills and go win that SEC title because I think that this team does have the talent. It's again, all assuming that Sar is able to play, but I'm I'm really excited for this team. So, as you can tell, because I compared him to the Boston Celtics. So. Yeah, I like it. I like it, Eric. Uh, I think Olivier Sars, if he is able to play in college basketball this year, if he decides not to go pro. Uh, he's the best center in college basketball. I, I think Sar is incredible. Um, when it comes to, well, first of all, I think last year he was the best pick and roll big in, at least rolling big uh, in college basketball. Um, when it comes to his shot blocking, when it comes to his ability to draw fouls, to um, to, uh, to hit shots from the foul line, um, yeah, just as his defensive presence, I, I, I think Olivier Sar is fantastic. And that would drastically change things i mean I, I i'm interested because he was someone who said he kind of said when he you know announced his you know quote-unquote you know commitment transfer to, to kentucky he said if he wasn't going to get instantly eligible he was going to go play professionally and i don't know what the update is it seems like he'll probably get eligible if uh because everyone is but whether or not his views of you know, playing professional basketball have changed just given the the temperature of things. Who knows? But uh, I think that I probably in my mind from from months of kind of thinking that he was not going to be like as, as soon as he announces his uh, transfer to Kentucky, I, I didn't think he was going to be playing. Some of the people I know that are um, 
some international basketball people I talk with, they're like, yeah, there's, there's no way he's, there's no way he's playing college basketball. He's going to go play pro. And uh, so I kind of maybe just in my mind had, had that, uh, had that going through my brain, but uh, I, I think he's fantastic. But the, but like I mentioned, I think he's the best pick and roll big in the country um, if he returns. And uh, I just wonder, yeah, who's he, who's he going to pick and roll with? Uh, is someone like a BJ Boston going to do some of that that you again, see with teams like Boston, where it's not your point guard and your five running, running these pick and rolls, you get your, your three man out there who can handle like your Gordon Haywards or your Jason Tatum, because when Jason Tatum gets a ball screen, uh, that just, uh, the defense isn't as well equipped to handle that than when it's your, your prototypical point guard center. Uh, pick and roll so uh, that'll be pretty interesting to see and I mean there's just uh, there's no question when you look at uh, uh, when you look at Kentucky teams it is uh, the best teams he's had have had really good point guard play there's there's kind of no question about it and then the teams that have been um, not so good have had like uh, you, you know Ryan Harrow starting a point guard or whatever so um, it, it's clear the point guard is pretty important and and even though that we, we've seen that wings have often not done super well at Kentucky and then went on to have much better NBA careers so yeah you just never know if that's gonna happen um but yeah with uh, uh Olivier Sar would be would be fantastic and you know uh, I'm surprised also Adam you missed a chance to shout out the uh the coaching of coach Martin with uh with uh, Jalen Brown going on to, to have such a good NBA career <laughs> That's right. That's right. We need our we need our Jalen Brown at Mizzou this year, but <laughs> maybe Xavier Pinson can be that. Well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm buying Cal's quarantine beard. I'm buying. <laughs> oh I'm yeah. Buying, I'm buying Kentucky over Auburn this weekend. I'm selling Kentucky at the top of the league next year. I, I look. Everything they do is it has been their best teams of all. And even the Anthony Davis team, they, they usually have that guy at point guard. And I, for me, I, I just want to see, like, if Terrence Clark can play point guard, great. Um, if, if he can't, then I think they've got issues. Because, I, I, look, I don't think you're rolling through the SEC with a guy that was playing, like, 12 minutes a year – 12 minutes a, a game at Creighton, um, you know, in this league next year as your guard, no matter how good Olivier Sarr is. Like, I just – I don't see it. And they're going to be babies. And the other thing that I think hurts them is, is to Adam's point, they don't get those games to, to, to really work out the kinks. Like even with the November 25th start date, uh, you know, everybody says, well, they're going to be playing together and they're going to be around each other. That's true, but there's not the usual Bahamas Europe trip that Cal manages to take all the time. There's none of these, you know, get well, Games where Cal, I mean, Cal's going to get on TV and talk about how young they are anyway, but there's not going to be the like games where they win by seven or eight points because their talent's so good. Like, like Vermont is a team they usually beat by like eight or nine early in the season every year, it seems like. And, and, you know, they don't get those. So I'm a little worried about that. And, and that's kind of where I come down on it. It's why I'm a little higher on Tennessee. So uh, I guess the last one we'll do before we have a little fun to to close things out. Well, let's just ask Adam, do you, do you want to do Frank Martin or do you want to do Auburn? Uh, let's do Frank Martin. All right. Fire sell Frank Martin. And, and this is a good segue into the fun topic. Frank Martin is the sec basketball coach who would be best suited to take the football job at his school. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Like I am one hundred percent buying that, and I'm just just the the Futurama Fry meme. Just shut up and take my money. Like that's like, he. I like he doesn't even have to know anything about football, and I'm still buying that. Like just he's his attitude translates to the football field. Like that's all you need. You know he's he reminds me like you know he can be like a. He can throw a tantrum like a Brian Kelly, but he's also smart and suave enough like a Nick Saban to, to you know, really balance that out. And if you look like you know what you're doing, then and he's he looks like a football coach too. So you know he's a he's a he's a really tough guy, and I think that he would absolutely have success. Second place goes to my guy Quanzo Martin. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And we're gonna we're gonna get into that on the on the two or three fun quick hit topics. I, I'll, I'll jump in here before Eric, because um, Eric does comedy, so he's going to be way funnier than me. That way I, <laughs> I, I'll just go with, with like, there's this soccer show right now that I've been watching, um, Ted Lasso. And, like, yeah. <laughs> to me, that could be frame one. Like, <laughs> just totally doesn't have to have any idea, like you said, <laughs> what's going on in, in football. Like, it wouldn't even matter. Like, like I just – in fact, give him Coach Boom's readers and and let him go. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I mean, for for me, uh, while Frank Martin really should be the the number one choice for for obvious reasons, I, I think you, you know in uh, in football, I think that there's some coaches that uh, are, are not the best tacticians of the game, but they can recruit. And I think that recruiting is bigger in football and more important in football than in basketball. Uh, you just see that every, uh, you know, every cycle, it seems with the college football playoff, if you back it up and, and look at the recruiting rankings, they're pretty good indicators. And that's just not the same case with basketball. So I think the easy answer is, Hey, who's the best recruiter in the S in the SEC? And that's coach, that coach Cal. So I'm going to say coach Cal would be best suited as a football <laughs> coach because he it. could recruit, uh, and just not even have to know that much about football. I also think he's a guy who really leans on his assistants. Something that I think is pretty big and pretty big in football. You got to trust your coordinators. You got to trust your support staff. And I don't think there's anyone who, uh, uh, likes to uh, give up, d- divvy up tasks with his uh, with his assistants and his staff, like like Cal Perry. So you know, Frank Martin is, is probably the obvious choice. But I I think if if Cal Perry wanted to wanted to coach football, uh, he he'd go and recruit. Maybe wouldn't be the most knowledgeable coach, but but he'd get guys, and uh, that could translate to wins. I like it. All right, we're gonna do two quick hitters, and then uh, we'll we'll let Adam go. It's been fun, Adam. Thanks for uh, for joining us. All right, so I saw something in WatchStadium.com uh, that I thought was pretty great. They were asking some of these college basketball coaches in quarantine just, like, random questions about their colleagues. And uh, it, one of them that I thought was fun is you have to pick two coaches with you on an abandoned desert island. So I want to know who the two coaches from SEC basketball would be that you would pick to be on an abandoned desert island with you – or an abandoned island. I guess it wouldn't be a desert island. An abandoned island with you, and why? Hmm, all right, I like that. Um, let's go with one spot. I'm gonna give to Cal just for his his beard. Like, he, if we're gonna go in, you know, I'm gonna want some company that you know can grow a beard like me, and just he's proven that he can do that. So, I'll, <laughs> I'll give I'll give him a spot. You know, he seems like an interesting guy to talk to. He has these podcasts with all these famous guys, so he can tell me stories about all these guys he's talked to and all, all what it was like to coach all these players who are now in the NBA and stuff like that. And that, you know, that would take 
maybe a year before I get bored with that. So, so I'll get I'll give him one spot, and then the other spot, you know, I'm gonna go with. I'll stick with the theme here, and I'll just keep I'll keep uh, going with Conzo. Just give put him on the island with me. He seems like a great guy and uh, very like thoughtful. It. Just. He's really tall, so he can reach up and grab like coconuts or pineapples <laughs> or whatever from the taller branches on the tree. So, you know, he'd be great. And, uh, you know, I just don't want Bruce Pearl and I don't want Buzz Williams there because they are two of the sweatiest men that I've ever seen. And <laughs> as, as entertaining as it might be to have them there, I just really would like to avoid that in in my, you know, in my abandoned island uh, reality here. Eric? Well, you know, the, the, the Homer and me, cause I, the one thing is like, Hey, if you're going to be on an Island with someone, you can't be, uh, uh, you can't be with someone who's going to annoy you. And, you know, if once Calipari starts his rambling monologues, uh, that, that, that would be tough. So, so I, you know, I, I look at Mike White and say like, Hey, there's a very, you know, agreeable guy who is, uh, uh, just very pleasant. And he's very honest. He's not someone who's going to, uh, who's going to lie about the situation. He's going to, you, you know, we've seen him in press conferences. There's no one who's more straight shooter than Mike White, but you know, I won't say, you know what, I'm actually going to say, I, I want Buzz Williams. I I, I want that energy. <laughs> like I, I need someone who is going to like tirelessly try to put together a, a, a raft or, uh, you know, he'd be out there like fishing by hand, trying to, trying to get fish. So, you know what, I, I think I, I think I want Buzz. And then, you know what, I think I want Will Wade because he'd be the guy that, uh, we get we get dropped off and uh you know they'd strip us of all their belongings and he would like pull up his pant leg and have a bunch of like chocolate bars strapped to it. like he, <laughs> he always he would game the system he would have he'd pull out a rod he'd pull out you know, you know he'd pull out a fire starter so you know he doesn't always play by the rules but uh, if we're dropped off on a deserted island i i i, I could use that so that's uh, those are my two answers all right i'm gonna go bruce pearl because i know he can throw a barbecue all right <laughs> I'll let y'all marinate on that one for a minute. And <laughs> and uh, so so I'm definitely going with, with Big Bruce. And then I'm going with Frank Martin because it was either going to be Frank or Quanzo. Like I wasn't sure which way to go, you know, because I need like some brute strength. Like we got to get the hell off this island. <laughs> and I know that either Frank or Quanzo can get me there. And like, you know, Bruce is going to be big and sweaty. But he can cook all the meat and stuff while me and Frank go to raft. All right, the next one that I like is, is, and it was amazing, by the way, the, the bulk of SEC coaches said either Frank Martin, Qua, Frank Martin, Quanzo Martin, or Mike White. Those were the top three answers. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, okay. So, uh, and I think probably for a lot of the reasons that, that uh, Eric offered, I guess Mike White is like, well, if I got to talk to somebody for a long time, he seems like a pretty nice guy. Um, yeah. I want to I want, I want to know who would be last. <laughs> yeah, no, that would have been a vote. Who would they least want to be an island with? But I think uh, think I might have already said his name. So, so this this is one we did with Blake Lovell, and and it was a hit. And then the listeners were like, "You got to do that with like every guest." So we're just gonna close with it again. Eric and I may change our draft picks. We don't know, but we'll let you uh, in snake fashion draft first and last, Adam. Um, so you get to be in two. You get two SEC coaches to be in a Anchorman street fight with. All right, who's your top pick? All right, okay. So so the only rule is no touching of the hair or face. <laughs> and that's it. No, no touching of the hair or face, that's it. Or we can add the Michael Scott rule too, be home by dinner. <laughs> so 
Um, I, again, like I'm, I'm going with my first round pick is got to be Quanzo Martin. Yeah, that's a good pick. That's a really good pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think he was, uh, he had to be the first round pick in the in the first one. So I think I'm getting a, a steal. All right, Neil, am I am I going second? Are we keeping this order? Right. That yeah, <laughs> no, you're you're going you're going second, and and yes, Blake Lovell's first pick was Quanzo Martin. So smart weird. man, <laughs> smart man. Because uh, uh, you know I'm thinking Frank Martin. I, and, you know, <laughs> that was also, that was who my other choice would have been. Yeah. I, I, I thought he's uh, penciled into number one for, for obvious reasons. And, hey, he even uh, – when they went on their final four run, he also uh, – I distinctly remember wearing a very red jacket that was very Anchorman-esque. So uh, he's just perfectly <laughs> suited to the scenario. All right. So I, I get two picks now, and, and Eric knows that w- what one of them is going to be. So I'm just going to – I'm going to use my more surprising pick first. And I'm going to say I'm taking Nate Oates. Because I feel like Nate Oates is is like the brick, right? Like, <laughs> like I totally feel like he kind of like when things haven't didn't didn't go so well for Alabama last year. At times, he had that like deer, like when they got up twenty on Florida and then blew the lead in like five minutes. He had this like deer in the headlights face, like why why is my style of basketball not working in this league for forty minutes? <laughs> face and I and like I love Nate Oates. I think he's a great young basketball coach, but. Like that face is kind of the brick thing, and I feel like if Nato did something bad because he is a super nice guy, like I totally feel like somebody like Calipari would be like, "Hey, Nate, you might want to lay low for a while. You're probably wanted for murder." <laughs> <laughs> so that's my uh, that's my first pick, and then I go with the American gangster, Will Wade. That's my second pick because you got to bring a little dirty to your street fight. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. The, he won't again. Like, like Eric said to the last one, he won't play by the rules. So you know, <laughs> he'll touch the hand. He'll, he'll yeah, he'll go all over the hair and face. Just Eric, he'll take your mother out to a fine seafood dinner and then never call her. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know what? I, I this the. <laughs> I, I think I might have used uh, used a pick uh, in the past on on. Uh, oh, I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to take away actually any potential uh, picks by saying anything about anyone for Adam. So you know what? I'm going to take. Um, uh, you know, this is extremely functional. I'm taking Jerry Stackhouse. I'm taking. Oh man! Oh, <laughs> Jerry. Because I because I mean, hey, if we're if we're li- like I know we're we're having some fun here, but hey, if we're really, you know, I, I I'm five foot ten. I gotta I gotta get someone who's gonna keep the uh, keep the opposition at, at range. And uh, Jerry Stackhouse has that length, uh, and I'll be kind of hiding behind him. Dude, Jerry Stackhouse, Jay Stackhouse is the guy who's gonna take it too far, man. He had that attitude in the NBA, like he's he like it's gonna be you know everybody's gonna be trying to stop, and he's just like no, we're not done till till <laughs> I'm the only one left standing. So he's. And, but yeah. like that might apply to you if you're on his team too. So who knows? Just watch out. That's true. He's calling in Rashid Wallace with a samurai sword in the middle <laughs> of the fight. <laughs> All right, take us home, Adam. Last pick. I guess I got to go with Bruce Pearl here, and I, I'm just you know I'm I'm just I'm just hoping that he has uh, some sort of like Pumbaa energy from The Lion King. Just I can see him <laughs> fighting like that. Just you know, get going in a straight line and just have at people you know just give him the trident that that brick <laughs> that brick somehow got and just 
let him go to work with it. You know, just run right at people. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. And I mean, who's looking to pair off with sweaty Bruce? Like if he's really dripping, <laughs> yes. I don't know if anyone really wants to engage that guy. So Buzz Williams, but he didn't get picked. So. <laughs> he's just Sam Nate Oates with the trident. My team is doomed. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Adam, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter. And uh, obviously you can read Adam at Saturday down South. Yeah, I'm at Adam Spencer 4 because there's a lot of Adam Spencers. One of them is a famous comedian in Australia, I guess. So maybe check him out, too. I don't know. If he's a <laughs> terrible person, then I take no responsibility for that. But I am Adam Spencer 4 on Twitter. So, All right, Adam, thanks for uh, joining us. It was a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, we, everybody make sure you check out uh, the Starting Five. When it starts up again, at least we have a start date. And, hey, I heard a rumor that SEC football starts Saturday. Thanks, everybody. It's going to be awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, no problem.